Total Limits, episode nine. Has it been nine? Oh my god. It's been nine. We have gotten that far. That's awesome. Magic number. And we are bringing you flags on the play. Red flags, yellow flags, even green flags, because we're not unrealistic or unfair. <laughs> but it's to round out our uh, to round out our foundational series, as it were, flags is kind of an important one, and it's one we haven't really given proper attention to directly until now. With us, as always, the Imperatrix Knox. Hi. Because without her, it would be a solo run and extremely bizarre and uncomfortable. Uh- <laughs> yeah, but I like making people uncomfortable. So well, I do too, me. but not. I don't want to hear the sound of my own voice that badly. <laughs> I can be honest about that. I am not that egotistical. Uh- <laughs> um, I'm glad I'm here to help. <laughs> I am too. Uh- <laughs> um. For those that are unfamiliar, the chalkboard in the server is where we answer questions for those that are attending and can. Um, And as always, we round out the point that later on, if anybody's hearing this and wants to ask a question, they can get a hold of me via email, etc. later. So find me on the FETs. On the FETs, on the website, because we actually have one. Um, That's true. We've had one. It's it's funny because it's one that I never put real work in. I'm just making sure it's there so people find a way to get a hold of us if they want it. Uh, <laughs> keeps it simple. And of course, Good, on the RSS feed, has everything on it. So there's more than one way to skin that cat. <laughs> Speaking of skinning cats, let's get to the actual meat of flags. <laughs> because whether you're new, experienced, overly experienced... Or just had a bad day. Everyone deals with flags. Perspective. Why do you have to say shit like that? Now I've got songs in my head. And... <laughs> Damn it, Dartax. Oh, no. Anything but that. If you've had a bad day. <laughs> <sighs> you know what? There are worse things to have stuck in your head, though. Let's be honest. I mean, I don't disagree, but ugh. I'm having one of those mornings. I got a feeling I'm going to cycle through like eight different songs as you talk. That's okay. So if I break out into spontaneous song, that's what happened. I assure you, no one will judge me, least of all. <laughs> so yes, flags. It's better than me sounding like a stepped-on frog. Anyway. But yeah, whether it's a prospective play partner, a long-term relationship, or someone you just want to chat with that night for a single scene. You know, the nature of all the things we cover about consent, vetting, negotiation, safety, all that fun shit still comes down to watching for flags. And I think that's an important part of that is knowing, even if you just know an inkling of what to watch for and not watch for, because sometimes they're subtle and sometimes they're glaring, but more often than not, they're not so glaring or it would be a lot easier. What I find more interesting is how people will ignore them on purpose because they think they're getting somewhere. (laughs) It's like, oh no, it's worth it. It's okay. No. And ironically it happens more in BDSM than it does in vanilla. Mm-hmm. surprisingly oh, enough down. it happens so much more because it's so I mean let's be honest it's hard enough finding someone who mm-hmm. fits everything you want them to so finding that they want to do all the things you do they're looking for the same kind of dynamic you are they're looking for the same level of commitment you are finding someone who actually ticks all the boxes isn't an easy task to begin with especially in kink 
So it's a lot easier to miss or actively choose to ignore what might be a really big flag when you don't see enough of them beyond that to be like, well, maybe that's not really a thing or maybe it'll turn out to be something else or maybe it doesn't actually happen. When in fact it will become a major part of your relationship very quickly. Well, and I think that a lot of people too – they don't see things as red flags. It's It'll be just like a subtle concerning behavior. Like it doesn't quite hit the radar as being right. a flag. And and then it's not until you have like three or four of them that they're like, oh, hey, wait a minute. That was pretty toxic. No, absolutely. Or, or they're so desperate for connection, they'll, they'll overlook it. And like, well, I can handle this because, you know. And that's that to me is always awkward. No, and I think that happens more than people realize because it's, it's really easy to be like, well – that's probably, you know what, I'm not going to worry about it. It'll sort itself out, or I'll handle it later, or, oh, it's not that bad. I can take care of that or help them through that or whatever, when, in fact, that's never going to be how that works. And that that actually plugs back into when we had our S-type conversation about when we point out that there are subs that are not broken or flawed. Mm-hmm. But there's a reality there, both for doms and subs, where sometimes they are, and some of us have this problem with being bro- chasing broken bird syndrome, as I like to call it, Yep. where the need to fix someone is part of the package. And I think a lot of early doms actually do a lot of that. Not to say that subs don't too, but I think the nature of our role means we tend to look at that direction of, oh, that's not that bad. We can fix that. You know, We're going to be their dominant. We can adjust that for them. That makes sense. It should, but ultimately <laughs> you just either enable them or make it worse or become a victim. Hmm. And, and we'll see. And that's the thing is I don't think people understand why these flags really exist and why we call them flags. Right? No, I Because that's how you identify that. So like, cause, and, and, I, and I get this from talking to obviously mostly submissives, but um they don't realize why something is a red flag or they don't realize why seeing flags is even important. So they don't, they don't think about it. You know? And it's like, right. they all have that little spider sense and it's there for a reason. And so if somebody makes your little spider sense get all tingly, that's your body telling you something about that person. You know, there's a reason we have these defense mechanisms. No, absolutely. And I, it's one of those things where a lot of our instincts tend to tell us a lot of the important stuff, even when we tend to ignore it. And I think that's just as important because sometimes we tune our instincts out on purpose. Like we learn to mm-hmm. actively choose not to use them so that we yeah. can pursue that elusive, oh, they tick all our boxes. No, they clearly don't if there's red flags involved. In fact, there's a couple of glaring X's in those boxes. And I'm sorry that you're ignoring them because of all the others, but a box is a box. Mm-hmm. And the X's oh, count, too. So badly sometimes. And, uh, not that I intended to start a list, per se, but a, a great example of an opener is specifically a dominant type red flag that, you know, I think most people who have any experience recognize right away, but a lot of new people won't. And it's a personal favorite. It, it ties into a discussion we had on server this week. Go figure. <laughs> Is tell you what a real or true submissive will do or should do. And oh, that steams my gears. It That's steams so it so hard. The moment you say a real or true, I don't care if it's dom or sub, it makes me want to grind steel with my teeth. Well, see, there's another thing that goes along with that. Shoot. 
and it's it's not so much true or whatever but it's also when somebody and, and again coming from the dominant side towards more mostly submissives and slaves where they're like oh but i don't see that you have a true slave heart oh. you must not be into service because you're not showing a slave heart that slave heart like, crap oh, is another one that hits me right there oh in the my god trash mm-hmm. oh it's it hurts trash. like if you have a slave heart that shouldn't be don't question it like stop it like it's just gatekeepy. Well, and the worst part is that slaves use it as much as doms do. They do. And it's like you're judging your own based on that stupidity. That should tell you everything that's wrong with it without saying anything else. It's so bad. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. bad. That's, I, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, every time it comes up, I'm like, did, did they just, they just used that. I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. There's an instant cringe moment. The moment, uh, the moment I hear real or true now. I use that mm-hmm. limitedly because there's people who, if they're new enough to the lifestyle, they're using it in a context because they don't understand the difference, and they're just trying to learn. That's, that's a little different. different, right? That's a knowledge-based thing, right? Right. That's, that's, that's not, not dickish. But they're also not usually turning around and using it on someone else. That's the difference. They're not usually using it to make someone else feel less, and that's really the key part of that, is they're not using it as a judging point. It's mm-hmm. an understanding point that they're trying to learn, and that's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. that goes back to, like you said, about experience. And yeah, a new person isn't going to use it the same way, but that tends to make it pretty obvious that they're not, too. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's and that's the thing is interacting with those types of people doesn't bother me because they're open to learn. And, and typically they want to. Right. And it's it's different from the other people that are like, no, I use this language to intentionally weed people out. And it's right. Like, you're putting out trash, so you attract trash. Yep. That's not healthy. Well, and that's, and that's why not I... how you have a long-term dynamic. No, not at all. It's not even for a short-term dynamic at that point. Like, well, I can, have people can hold the crazy together long enough to get through a short term. Sometimes I, I've heard a true top before, and it made me want to hurl. I'm not going to pretend I didn't hear it. It doesn't happen as often, but I've heard it done. And I'm like, really? Like, how? What? <laughs> You're not even going to put up with them long enough for that to matter. How can you even go there? Mm-hmm. But, but that's what I mean is I think everybody, a short space of time, can reasonably put on a good face to put their best qualities forward, right? It's only in those long-term interactions or repetitive interactions that you start seeing what I'll say is like the ugliness or whatever start leaking back out, right? No, I agree. Those parts of you that you try to keep in check. And that's and that's what I mean by, you know, keeping the crazy in check is, you know. No, that's fair. But I also think it makes it an even more glaring red flag if they can't. Because if they <laughs> right. use it on you in the length of a single scene at a pickup event where literally you're negotiating for that night for like a short spanking scene and they come out <laughs> with, well, if you were a true bottom or a true top – yeah, your crazy leaks through so hard you can't even cover that shit up. Please leave. Like, <laughs> sir, ma'am, thank you for letting me know this in advance, and I appreciate your time. Good night. <laughs> thank you for making sure I know just what I'm dealing with, and I'm going to mm-hmm. leave now. Yep. Yep. And that's okay. that's why I wanted to specify the difference between new people, kind of like I specify that it's doms and subs will both do that. It is an equal opportunity refender in the worst way. And it's it's so much on the top of the list for a reason because it's the it's the worst. It's not the most common, but it is the worst. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
not in terms of raw abuse power, but in terms of it being used the wrong way by people who can use it on people who don't know any better very quickly. Right. And it right. tends to come out sooner rather than later. But another, on the same note, right. though, on, on the same yeah. examples, using honorifics too soon. Specifically in the case of Dominance, it's forcing them to. Like, no, no, mm -hmm. you must call me Sir Dombot 3000. Or, on the case of the submissive, we'll only call you by an honorific, mm -hmm. even if you tell them not to. And they simply refuse. Yeah. Like, no, no, I can't call you anything else. Yeah, you can. I just told you well, to. <laughs> and I think what's interesting about that is they come from very different places. Like, they do. So, so like, for me, the, we'll say the D-type person, if they start demanding honorifics, obviously that's ego and that's just ridiculousness. But when submissives are, are trying to push horrifics on you, they're actually pushing their kink onto you. which And, and th so they come from yes. two different places, right? So when a dominant is doing it, it absolutely is, in my opinion, an abuse of power. Um, and I see that as very much a non-consensual type of interaction. Whereas from a submissive, it's a non-consensual interaction from the completely opposite end of the spectrum. Like... There's there's never anything wrong with being polite. And if if you were one of those people like me that was raised in the South and saying, sir, ma'am, it just rules out of you, not because right. oh, I'm calling you my sir. I'm being polite and trying to address you. But people forget. That should be the second question after, you know, what's your name or hi, nice to meet you. What can I call you? What do you prefer to be called? No, I agree with that. And. That I, th I really feel like those two questions should be almost combined together when you're interacting with a new person. Because it, to me, it's, it's on the same level of, of asking, because you're trying to be polite, you're trying to show deference, you're trying to get to know the person. You know, it's, hi, how are you? My name is so-and-so, here's my pronouns. You know, what would you like me to call you? Or how, would, how do you de identify, right? I would never, and like as a dominant, I would never demand someone instantly, hello, Imperatrix. Oh, no, absolutely no. not. It's, it's Knox. Just call me Knox. And as we get talking, if it starts feeling like, hey, we want to kind of negotiate something, okay, well, now I know when you're serious. When you start saying, Imperatrix, may I ask you this? Or, well, right. You know, and then if somebody is actually in service to me, it's Lady, you know, Lady Knox, you know. And if you're one of the, the rare few that actually gets to serve in my home, mm. you get to use my vanilla name, you know. And so it's like, those are those are privileges that you, you earn. No, I You're agree. just trying to be polite to me, and somebody's like, ma'am, can I ask you a question? I'm not going to jump down their throat. Don't call me ma'am. No, you of course not. That. No, you're being polite. Like, No, that may be a thing, case I... where – go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was only going to say, like, that's that's a case where I have, in fact, corrected people at a function or a munch where they've introduced themselves and they started calling me sir – not to try to force it on me, but they were just trying to be polite. And I'll turn around and be like, no, 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 no. You don't owe me that at this point. Exactly. I'm not going to tell you to stop, but please understand that if you're doing it out of any sense of obligation, you do not have to. Yeah, please. We don't do not owe each other anything, and I want you to understand the respect is mutual at this junction. And mm -hmm. some do, some don't, and there's nothing wrong with either one. Like, I won't judge them for continuing. I just wanted them to understand that I am not expect expecting anything. That kind of goes back to leather culture, actually. And being clear in it how is. you address yourself or expect to be addressed as a person. And the same with them. It's about approaching people equally. 
which tends to weed that kind of crap out pretty quickly. Uh, <laughs> well, and, and but and I think it tells you exactly what you need to know about people, right? Agreed. Like, because if somebody, I mean, I'm sorry. Even even back when I identified as an S type, if somebody walk, if I approach somebody for play because I finally got the courage up, because God knows we take that takes forever. You finally get the courage up. You approach somebody. Excuse me, sir. I'd like to talk to you about a flogging. And they turn and go, uh, that's master to you. You know what? Thank you for showing me all I needed to know about this interaction. And I am done. That's Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, sorry. That's just, it's just gross ass. And again, to me, it's gatekeepy. Because uh -huh. you're still, you're trying to set yourself as being better than those around you. And you're trying to keep them out of bubble for lack of a better term yeah and you know what take your bubble and make sure you go way the fuck over there well what i find fascinating is i've i've been at functions at least in a couple of places where and it's been a minute to be fair but mm -hmm. where i have had submissives come to me or another person that they considered in a position of respect at the function and been like i need you to be aware that this person over there tried to make me call them blah 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 Rather than trying to call them out in public themselves because of their own position in the event, even if it wasn't high protocol, just showing the respect of this isn't technically my place, mm -hmm. I'm getting someone whose it is. And that just makes it even more so because they're going out of their way to do the best they can to be polite about it and let someone in authority handle it. Because I absolutely will. I will absolutely take that person aside and be like, okay, so we need to talk if you want to stay. And I don't care if I'm a mod for those functions or not. I will absolutely have that conversation with them. And I'll be like, you can either stop this behavior or I will go to the mods <laughs> now. Because mm -hmm. I assure you, they will not stand for it. <laughs> well, because why should you? No, yeah, and there's no place for it. Not for someone who doesn't deserve it. And this It's kind of like what we talked about when we talked about masters in the first place. You call yourself a master in the community, you better be very careful how it's being used. Because if it was not awarded to you by the community, you best not try to get anybody to call you that. Because I yeah, assure you, we will go out of our way to make sure you get exactly what you deserve. And that's not out of spite. It's because there's no place for that toxicity. For me, it's spite. And it's both. Like, I'm, I, no, it's I'm both. Not but... <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Because I see, like, I mean, I'm sorry. If you've been in the community longer than a year or whatever, like, all of us remember what it's like to be new. All of us oh, of remember course. what it was like to find this stuff and try to try to penetrate a secret society because that's how it yeah. feels. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and so and it still is for a lot of people. Dude, a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent that, and that, and and I think that's what irritates me so bad is when people, and I and I can say I've been guilty of this myself because I live it twenty four seven, so I'm inundated with it. It's a constant right. presence in my mind. It's it's a state of being, right? And and so for me. It does, there are times that I have to step back and go, not everybody lives it all the time. Or I have to step back and, and check myself and say, well, wait a minute, um, they're brand new. They may only have a couple scenes under their belt. So what they're doing is they're, they're basically emulating what they see and hear and, and porn yeah. and, and people talking, you know, online communities and how people talk and things like that. So they're trying to emulate to learn. And then it's, I have to I have to check myself because it's like quit being a judgmental asshole and put in perspective where they're coming from. And it makes all of that shit fall away and it's like no, we're just two people 
having a conversation, trying to get to know each other. Let it be organic. No, I agree with that. You know, it's it's like this person got up in the morning, brushed their teeth, hopefully, uh, you know, put their <laughs> pants on the same way I did. God, please. Like, why am I being a bitch about it, right? And and because I, and I'll say as as a female dominant, there's probably a layer where I'm a bit worse about it because femdom culture is so toxic. Um, because it's, I, I mean, without preaching too much, but one of the things no, no. I've noticed is by rights of being a femdom, you are in demand. And, it, and we've talked about oh, this absolutely. a lot. absolutely, yeah. And so the problem that comes with that is you start feeling a little more exalted because people are constantly seeking you out. And so you have to check your ego to remind yourself that people are seeking you out, not always because of your skill. It's by right of you identifying as a dame. Well, and that's a humbling thing to really take into perspective. That's fair. It's like, wait a minute, it ain't about you. It's about them and their needs and what they're trying to find. They just happen to see somebody unfed that has a great <laughs> rack and has the same interests. So they're like, hey, hot stuff, what's up? Well, and as you know, we've talked about more than once before, the, the female versus male submissive perspective is very different in that regard, too. And that's part of that problem. It's part of the equation. Mm -hmm. Not because it's their fault. It's because the way they seek submission is very different from female subs. You tend to find, for lack of a better way to put it, less strongly independent male subs mm -hmm. in that sense because they're looking for less of it. And I'm not saying that's the rule, just that it's it's more common, for lack of a better description. It, no, it, it is. But I, but I think that's why, to me, I see a lot of this toxic culture, a lot of, like these flags that we're talking about. I think yeah. I see them because, because my specific bubble is so small. Because, you know, the Dame side of the house is small. You know, so it's it's almost like it's no, concentrated sure. down and, and drilled down. So I see it faster and more rapidly, um, I think, comparatively to what male doms experience, you know, or fem subs, right? You know, I, I feel like I feel like fem subs get the shortest end of the stick most of the time. I mean, they can't. It's it's not wrong. Um, I, I find it funny because I. I won't pretend that I wasn't – I won't say I was part of the problem in my earlier – in my first couple of years, but I was not <laughs> helping, let's say. I wasn't helping okay. not enable because I was aware of it, but I didn't think about it the same way because I was too young. And, you know, anyone who's 20 years old understands the concept that they're hormone-fueled. So a mm -hmm. lot of kink is more sexually oriented. It's sexually fueled. So you tend to look less at the loftier end of the stick – not because you don't want to, but you're just not built that way yet. Like your fuel still runs the mm -hmm. other direction. So you don't tend to focus well enough on the other things like the toxicities, the flags, etc. Because you're still not necessarily part of the problem. You're just not part of the solution. Mm -hmm. You're kind of in that middle space where you're just not helping. You're just not hurting. And the problem is I did spend some time there, like anybody new who doesn't know any better and isn't actively in the community that way or just isn't able to be in the community that way or doesn't plan to be. Um, yeah. And that – it very much happens with female subs on a regular basis just because, for lack of a better way to put it, you find more female subs in the common ground of social events, at least when I was going regularly. Mm-hmm where you mm -hmm. would find less male submissives out and about in major functions looking. 
mm-hmm. they were out and about most of the time, they already had someone they answered to more often than not. And I don't know if that's true entirely the same way today. It's been a few years since I've been to a major event. You actually, I, I will say this. The, the power dynamics are more imbalanced than that because what you'll find is, I call them free-range males. Because <laughs> Fair. I mean, I mean, you've heard me talk about feral subs, and, and it kind of follows the same pattern. But right. typically speaking, you won't find many unpartnered dames. You'll find an a huge disproportionate amount or disproportionate amount of unpartnered male subs. Okay. Um, I can see that though. Because, because there are always less dames than the demand. And that's right. And therein lies the problem, right? When, when you talk about heteronormative kink, there's always male doms and femme subs. They're, they're easy to find. No, yeah, absolutely. And, and I hate to say that, but it's, it is kind of no, but it's... in that regard. I mean, the reality, so sorry, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. No, when you when you flip that, it's it it the pool shortens very quickly, and when you identify as a male submissive looking for a female dominant, that pool gets even smaller. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. And so it is not uncommon to find dames that have a stable of submissives, not necessarily because they wanted to have a stable. A lot of a lot of dames get into that trap of wanting to service the community as best they can, so they feel if I take on more subs, I'm helping more men. You I don't know, and, with and that. it kind of gets weird. It, I can it gets see that. it gets very weird very quickly. But but yeah, I mean, it's they absolutely are free range males. That's exactly what they are. No, but that that actually makes a lot of sense because I they should do, all be caged. I do frequently find actually more female dames at events mm-hmm. f- will frequently have multiple submissives as opposed to males. As a common thing. Yep. Uh, not to say that it's exact, you... but I tend to see it more often, let's say, at least out and about. Not that they it's don't unusual. happen otherwise. They do, but it's unusual to see a male dom carrying four women in tow on chains, right? No. But if part you go of to that a femdom event. Four women in tow would be hard pressed to actually all agree with each other enough to put up with one dom. Um, <laughs> if you gag them, they can't talk shit. I know that, but we weren't going to go that far yet. <laughs> that's for another episode. No, but I mean, <laughs> right. but no, but seriously, I mean, and, and I, but that's, but that being back little red flag to me, this is why you see so many people just out of these red flags and a lot of this toxic behavior up front because the supply and demand is so disproportionate and Agreed. they're so desperate for connection. They're so desperate to experience things because they're excited, excitable, things like that. They, they will absolutely let people walk all over them and devastate them and force them to engage in things that they wouldn't necessarily have engaged in. You know, I'll I agree with that. And I hear it a lot from male subs. Like femme subs, it's societal conditioning, right? So I'm not right. even going to touch that part. But there's a lot of toxic behavior that femme subs put up with simply because you're bred to be agreeable, polite, and all that bullshit. I mean, fair, now, but I also... With- it's it's a thing, but male subs experience it in a completely different way. Oh no, I, have I agree. Seen male subs epically ignore, like not just toxic, but like borderline criminal shit, because it was a femdom paying them attention, mm-hmm. and they were willing to put up with humiliation. They were willing to put up with degradation and stuff like that, even though it's not something that they were equipped for. It wasn't a kink that they had. They don't have the emotional makeup to to actually cope with it. But they dealt with it, and I've seen him deal with it for years before finally getting fed up and saying, I hate this relationship. And it's just like, 
you know, if you would have just been honest up front, hey, that's toxic and I need to own that that's toxic and walk away, you would have saved yourself eight months of grief. No, I don't disagree. And I I think that's a case where I need to specify about heteronormative dynamics for a reason. Mm -hmm. And it's because it's not just that, you know, for one thing, people forget that heteronormalcy is still a valid choice for those that that's preferred. But it because it's the norm, quote unquote, there's a much higher percentage of people who fall into that category. So I think part of that is also the flags that come out of those particular relationships mm-hmm. aren't so much more glaring as more commonly seen. Yeah. And as a result, you don't get to see the ones that happen on the other gender role flips and, you know, sexuality flips that happen between others as a result because the percentage is so much lower. Like, even just female dom to male sub is a much greater range than, say, two trans switches or any number Mm -hmm. of other combinations where that percentage is almost minuscule, which means that the flags that go into that and the behavioral differences that go with being that kind of differences Mm -hmm. are even less found. Not because they don't happen, but because there's such a small pool to see it in. Yeah. And that doesn't mean they don't belong having their space and not worth paying attention to. Because mm-hmm. they definitely are, even more so, I would say, because you don't see it as much common space. So it's harder to draw attention to it the same way. Because mm-hmm. it's I, it's I always agree. a lot easier to talk about the, the domly darkest of doms 5,000, you know, mm-hmm. especially the ones mm-hmm. on darker Facebook, um, because there's more of them in general population numbers. There's just more of them, so you see more of the issue. Not because there's any less of an issue elsewhere. And I don't think that's worth ignoring. And that kind of segues into the other side of that, what you were already addressing about ignoring your limits or having your limits ignored. Yeah. Which is a big one. And that goes hand in hand with what we were just saying. Because it's really easy to both have it happen and have yourself choose to let it happen. Especially in like you were saying, as the example of choosing to ignore that in pursuit of. It's like, yeah, well, technically that's the limit of my, you know what? It's better than not having blah, blah, blah. I'll just let it go. And mm-hmm. that's, it's terrible mm-hmm. for yourself to do that, but it's common because there's a reason. It, it's easy to do that for a reason. It is. Yes. Unfortunately. Yeah. But it doesn't come from a pure place, and that's the other problem. No, it problem. doesn't. It definitely doesn't. Otherwise, it wouldn't come up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, no, it, honestly, yeah. It ties back into consent and vetting and negotiation when you first approach someone for anything. And it's why Mm -hmm. those conversations are meant to happen, why we harp on it so hard. It's not just because we want you to follow the steps because these are the steps or else. It's not like that. It's because the steps are there for your safety, Mm -hmm. even from yourself. And that needs to be clear as well is because you can hurt yourself as much as someone else can. By ignoring the details of safety along the way in pursuit of, oh, this person checks all the thousand boxes I want. Well, if they check 999 and that one is not only glaringly red, but warning signs and sirens are going off. It's really easy to still tell yourself, eh, it's okay. When what you should be telling yourself is still run, stupid. Either that or it may not be, because I will say this, just because something is a glaring red flag doesn't always mean full retreat. It could no. mean I need to compartmentalize you for specific things. You know, and I will say that. Like, prime example, like, I mean, I'll get into another flag, which is, um, you know, 
talking about limits and, you know, when you share like, hey, this is not a fetish of mine, but, you know, it's an, an activity they greatly enjoy. To me, it's not a red flag to have a submissive say, I'm willing to engage in that with you because I know it's something that you're passionate about, even though that I don't necessarily like it. The red flag in that would become if we only engaged in that activity all of the time after you told me that you're not into this. No, agreed. That to me or is, is where being it becomes a red flag, right? Exactly. So oh, no, so, absolutely. Like that's, and, and that's what I'm saying. is yeah. it's it, That to me is one of those things where if you know that that's you – know, Let's, you know, let's use something like knives, right? Knives are her mm -hmm. primary kink and you absolutely have triggers and traumas around knives and knives are an absolute hard limit, but you still want to interact with that person. Now more conversation needs to happen, quite obviously, but don't be surprised if the subject of knives come back up. Like you knew that that was a primary thing. You chose to ignore no, it fair. because you were so excited to try to interact with this new person. And so that becomes a red flag on on the submissive right and not the dominant because See, the dominant's not pushing it the dominant no. saying no this is what i'm about you're ignoring it trying to get me to fulfill other fantasies of yours and now you're trying to manipulate me into turning my fetishes off See, and i i look at these for a reason with the red yellow and green system even with flags because like mm -hmm. to me a red flag is someone being coerced or being coerced even subtly coerced into something they're not okay with in the case of limits whether it's from either side of the slash, whether it's the dom coercing you into something you otherwise wouldn't do and you go along with it, or you coerce them into doing something that is even against your own limits or against their limits and doing the same. But I'd consider it mm -hmm. more like a yellow flag if it's something where this is a limit of yours and you override yourself to pursue it, even if they go out of their way not to make you. Right. Because that's not really a red flag at that point for either of you. You're choosing mm -hmm. knowing that there's caution there for yourself and choosing to override right. it on your own decision-making skills. And I don't consider that the same way because that's not on the other person at all. And you're no, not actively no, trying ownership. to be toxic either. Right, right, exactly. Ownership is the big key of that. Well, and it's like, so like one of the questions in the chat right now. So would it be accurate to say that the willingness to pull out of a situation due to a red flag should also be the willingness to talk through with your partner for a solution? Absolutely. And I say not necessarily. To a point. Well, to and a I point. say not necessarily because not everything needs to have a common ground and not everything should be compromised. This is also and fair. I'll, and I'll, I'll, use, I'll use age play. Because that's a controversial one that people have a lot of very strong reactions Oh, yes, that is a hot reaction Great to. example. Right. So, you know, if I have a submissive that comes to me, I want to I engage in diapering. Well, it's very clear on my profile that I do not engage in age play and I'm not, I don't do ABDL, like at all. Right. Um, and I do, for anybody, I, I do understand that not all age play is that. So please don't right. leave me there. I, I'm very well aware of that. Um, no, absolutely. I'm just saying that most people, that those tend to be conflated when they're initially exploring. Fair. And so I've had people come to me, yeah, I, I like diapering. I'm not a mommy. I make it very clear I'm not a mommy. I'm not into ADDL. <laughs> right. Well, okay, can we, can we play? And while we're playing, can I just wear the diaper? Well, fuck you, no. I told you no. That's a hard limit for me. Okay, well, I understand that, but... Um, if I play with you, can we cuddle after and you just hold me like a baby? The answer is fuck you, no. I've See, already yeah. said to you so many times, now you're 
to me, that not only is that a red flag, but that is not something I'm willing to even try to talk through with someone because now you have absolutely 100% ignored me stating repeatedly what my boundary was. And you're now trying to manipulate. And that attempt at manipulation to me is the red flag more oh, than it absolutely is. pushing the kink, right? And so to me, that's a time where you're not going to be able to negotiate through that. Because if if I do capitulate or like acquiesce to your demand and say, let's have a scene where I flog you and you keep your diaper on, I know how damaging that's going to be for me. Right. And me service topping you in that regard is not helping me at all. And that's also not a healthy dynamic if I capitulate no. to that degree. So See, to me, that's, that's not something you can work through. Now, are there times that you have a red flag that you can work through? Absolutely. And I'll say like uh, mental health is one of them. There are some forms of mental health that absolutely can be mitigated through conversation. Right? No, for sure. There's there's certain, you know, anxiety. To me, anxiety is a problem. Oh, example. absolutely. <laughs> right? People are anxious. It's the state of oh, the world. Oh, God. Everybody I don't know anyone anxiety. in kink who isn't socially awkward in right. some major glaring form. I mean, shit. Exactly. <laughs> and, and to differing degrees, right? So right. Some people's anxiety is absolutely crippling. Other people's anxiety is more, they can, you know, they can Mild hesitation. It, they can yeah. Right. So to me... That may be one of those red flags for somebody when you start interacting with, they tell you, you know, hey, I've been diagnosed with anxiety. Okay. No, I appreciate that. I'm. That may be something that we can talk about and I'm willing to take on because now we can come up with solutions. We can come up with ways to make this no longer a landmine in our kink, but a way of, of bonding and understanding so that I get a deeper appreciation for you and how you view kink and how you view me. You know what I mean? So I think, and that's why I say, I, I don't think it's accurate 100% of the time. And that's why I'll say it's not necessarily. Um, but I do also believe there are certain things that you won't know that until you try to have that conversation. No. And this is, this is where my perspective is the way it is, because I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. Like you absolutely, if anything else, it's absolutely on the same page. I just look at it from the perspective of like, if it's something that's a hard limit for you, it's called a hard limit for a reason. Mm -hmm. There's no excuse to need to force a discussion about it. End of story. Like that shouldn't even be something someone should try to make you approach because it's mm -hmm. a hard limit for a reason. And that would come up during discussion and negotiation in the first place. Like this would be something you'd see like, yeah. no, 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 this is a hard limit for me. I won't talk about it. That should be the end mm -hmm. of the discussion. And if the other person doesn't like that, it's a hard limit. Well, then they need to find someone who is. And that's the end of that. It is really the end of that. There's no negotiation there for a reason. It's called a hard limit for a reason. That's respect. If it's a soft limit or not a limit, that's when the discussion point I am perfectly acceptable with. Yes, in those cases, discussion and negotiated communication is important. Mm -hmm. But that's because you haven't made it clear that it is a non-negotiable thing. Right. That's a little different. And that's why I say there's a difference only in that capacity of if I tell you that I am a hard limit on, you know, this, that, or the other thing, and you try to convince me to do it anyway, yes, you are absolutely the asshole. No question. <laughs> I don't care how you describe it because I Thank straight you, up told it. you it's not going to happen. So if you go ahead anyway, well, that's on you. 
Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, I, it's I don't, I don't it's know. a polarizing conversation, no matter how you spin it. It's always it, going to be for a lot of people, and not in a bad way. I no, mean, not I at all. Every every situation that we could talk about, you could you could advocate any side, right? Right. Um, especially you and I. Like, I mean, I I think <laughs> you and I are lucky because we we can see it from different angles. But I think I, I really just believe for new people coming into kink or people trying to figure out what are my flags, you know, is that a red flag to me? Is that a green flag? Anything that makes you stop and think and have pause, bare mm-hmm. minimum should be a yellow flag. I agree. I 100% agree a, with that. There's a reason. There's, there's a reason that you're pausing. Yeah. If there's something reason that knee jerks sure. you, watch the knee jerk. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. if it turns out to be, oh, you know what? Maybe I just have misgivings because I need to feel comfortable with it. That's still a knee jerk mm-hmm. reaction that deserves attention. Mm-hmm. Not overriding it. Because it right. was there for a reason, Don't regardless of why. I ha- right. See, and that's yeah. the – I think that's the other reason. Like, we don't always have the same exact opinion on something, but frequently we feel the same way about it even then, more often mm-hmm. than not. Absolutely. It's just we see it from different perspectives because our experiences are different. And that mm-hmm. doesn't make either one less – you know, we're still at the end of the day in the same opinion on the subject. Like, no, if somebody came up to you with ABDL, I'll slap them, <laughs> especially if you just made it clear you're not going to talk about it because that's not right. fair to you. It's not, and it's and that's and it's, just respect between people. Kink dispenser thing, right? That's about respect as a human being. Like you made it, dances, right? You don't get to negotiate that with someone who's made it clear that it's non-negotiable. You're just not. <laughs> so, so let's let's go to the other side of that <laughs> complete opposite end of the spectrum. Shoot, saying that you have no limits. Oh. I was thinking about that one too. That really <laughs> should have been next either way. Cause yeah. Those, those hit me the same. Now like it, I it, will they really hit me the same. No, I agree. I, I will preface with saying that at this point in my kink journey, I find that more and more of my limits are soft than hard. More often than not. And the few hard ones are very core, very rare, limited ones that I've had enough experience to say, I know for a fact I'm not interested. But there's a number of them where over time they've softened to where they are now, and I find I have less actual limits than I did in terms of what I'm willing to experiment with. But that's Mm -hmm. a personal thing for me, not a generic everyone should be like that, because everyone has reasons for their limits, and they're not any differently valid for their journey or their experiences. I don't care what the reason is. But absolutely, if you come up to me and tell me you have no limits as part of negotiation, I'm probably going to be a little concerned at first. Not going to lie. But rightfully so. Like, because, and, and my thing is, and it never fails, because the follow-up question whenever it's like, oh, I have no limits. And you're like, yeah. none? Literally none? And they're like, well, I just, I haven't, I don't know what they are yet because I'm so new. Okay, well then say that instead. Don't right. say you have none. Because I can because work you with do that. Have them. Yeah. Absolutely. If somebody says, hey, listen, because I'm actually negotiating play with someone right now, and we're going through that exact thing. Okay. This gentleman has only been in kink for three months. He doesn't know. He legitimately doesn't know. <laughs> no, he that's has fair, ideas though. of what he thinks. And, and I appreciate the fact that he was very upfront. He goes, I think I know what I might be into, but I don't know because I've not done them yet. And I was like, okay, that's a great starting point. You know, and so we've negotiated... Um, some basic impact, right? The 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 entry portal to this wonderful <laughs> world. And I was like, 
you know, you're curious about the sensations on your skin. You're not sure about your pain tolerance. You just yeah. you don't know. No, and it's a good and gateway like, for that. Cool. It absolutely is. Absolutely. It's not. It's something. It's easy to control. Easy to manage. Yep. Easy. You know, they're not slipping into subspace, right? So it's it's to me a great introduction. Absolutely. So we've been talking about it. And first thing I asked him is, well, what kind of things do you fantasize about? What kind of things draw your attention? What kind of porn are you being drawn to? You know, what what even made you think kink might be for you? And we can start getting into what are some things that you've seen that you just instantly are like, hell no, I'm not doing that. And so he was able to tell me some of the stuff. And I'm like, well, congratulations, you have a limit. Right. And he was like, oh. Joke's oh, on you. You have one means. anyway. <laughs> well, but he didn't realize that that was what limits meant. Right. He thought because he was still open to experience it just to make sure that that wasn't necessarily a limit. And I was like, but it is. You already know that it's repulsive. Right. If you already know that by watching someone engage in it was so viscerally upsetting to you that you were like, oh, fuck that. It's a limit. And, and I was like, and just because you have that reaction now doesn't mean you'll have that reaction in 10 years. Right. It doesn't mean that you need to try it again in 10 years. It just means right now that's not in your wheelhouse. And yeah, that's okay. for whatever reason, it bothers you and there's nothing wrong with right. that. So for him, when he read my profile, um, and it, it, was, it was CBT that was a huge thing for him. He was like, oh, my God, that's fucking crazy. Why would you ever do CBT? And I was like, well, you know, don't knock it. You don't know. Um, but I was like, obviously, um, engaging in CBT is just not for you at this stage. And he was like, yeah, but I see that you like it. So to me, that, that would be a red, that's a red flag of us not being compatible. And I was like, just because I like CBT doesn't mean I have to do it with every single person. Right. Right. So to me, that's not a red flag for someone to say, I'm not into that. What that means is we need to find something else that we might mutually find beneficial and agreeable. And luckily with my experience, I have a lot of things to pull from from that. Oh, absolutely. And so, <laughs> but, so but to him, it was a potential red flag because he had been negotiating with another person. And I appreciate that he was upfront about that. And that person said, well, if you don't do this, I'm not willing to play with you. And I was like, so that is a red flag. Yeah. No. That's, that's one of those hard and fast things that doesn't make sense. Nobody should ever have, in my opinion, I don't know of anything that's you will do this in every scene or else I can't play with you. Short of having a pulse and being hydrated, I really don't know what else you have to have in order for me to play with you. Like, <laughs> No, that's fair, though. <laughs> I was like, what an odd thing to say to somebody. No, I agree. And so, so yeah. Like, it, it's so, and that's what I'm saying. is like, people don't understand what these flags even are and what limits actually are. Right. Because you're not taught that. It's, it's assumed that because you speak English, you know what these terms mean. And it wasn't until I met him that I realized, wow, that's actually not common knowledge. Well, and that's... Ironically, that segues into another one for me where because of the conversation part of it, um, mm -hmm. and this is where we're going to start branching into flags that are not necessarily universal for both sides of the slash. And for anyone who starts to decide they're a little offended, I'm going to apologize in advance. You know, our, our usual brand disclaimer, you know, everybody's opinions are valid to themselves. One, two, we do talk about adult conversations here and like mature adults because they have to be. 
It's the nature of what mm-hmm. we do, and it's the nature of why we do this podcast. So understand that when we talk about things like I'm going to bring up something that is more skewed towards the submissive side of red flags, it's not because I am hating on submissives or think they all are guilty of it. <laughs> it's that this is more common there whether you like it or not. Um, And in this case, I'm specifically referring to my personal favorite, and Doms are just as guilty of it, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But I find it less glaring, ironically enough, only because it happens less often in my experience. Um, But specifically, when I hear someone dictating during negotiation how the dynamic will be structured without your input. Keyword being without your input. At the negotiation stage. Mm -hmm. And I say it that way for a reason, because I find that Male. This is more common in male dominant as well, and I won't. I won't speak for the dame end of things. You obviously have your own experiences and perspectives on that that are probably far more involved than mine because I'm not one. Um, <laughs> so I don't want to pretend that I know more than I do. That's not fair to anybody, and you are capable of that. <laughs> uh, but I find that male doms specifically will frequently do that after. Effectively, the equivalent of I've got you past the point of negotiation. Now I can tell you what to do. Whereas I find that the submissives won't wait till then. They'll start telling you exactly how this works at the set of while you're sitting and having this conversation over a coffee date or consideration, they're dictating to you how it's going to go. Mm -hmm. And yeah, neither side gets to do that. To put it bluntly, just to be clear, like, I'm not saying it's more forgivable for male doms in any way, because it's not. (laughs) I personally find it more glaring if you're trying to tell me how a dynamic's going to be run before we've even gotten to it. Or even opened the conversation. That's gross. Right? It's just gross. Like, I don't have another term for that. It's just gross. No, it is. it's, It's a gross overstepping. But to me, it's it's you pushing off your expectations onto me. Yes. And when submissives do it to me, my hackles instantly go up and oh, I'm like, God, yes. All right. Well, thank you for your time. It's been great, but I'm exiting stage right. Like if we've sat down that far proven. and you're trying to tell me how it's going to be run that early, I will frequently mm-hmm. not even be that kind. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. I, I, I'm at a point in my life where if you really are that unethically unhealthy, I am not going to be kind enough for that. Because you've had me already go out of my way to sit down with you privately to have this discussion. Mm. And you are already trying to subvert how this works. Nope. I really don't have time for you. Well, because there's a big difference between saying, here's here's things that I need to have to feel fulfilled. Here's right. things that I need to have to feel loved or to feel appreciated, whatever. Versus, here's how I'm going to micromanage your relationship. But there's also a difference between these are the things I need after that conversation has been broached. Either side. Like, I'm not saying it has to be open mm-hmm. by one or yeah. the other. But it should be a conversation, a dialogue, not a monologue yeah. of, well, this is what you need to do for me or else. Right. And I don't care right. what you say. No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I don't care which side of the slash you're on. No. Yeah. It's gross. You don't ever get to dictate on a one-way fucking street. Even even in severe MS dynamics, there's still negotiating that happens. Well, yeah, even – I don't use it lightly, but even in Gorian, where consent mm-hmm. starts at the door and ends at the door more often, even mm-hmm. then in a healthy 
cute, you know, key unquote, healthy yeah, ethical relationship. If there's a situation that really goes sideways or it's a real problem, even in their fantasy style, that mm-hmm. plug always has a fail safe because you have to have one. There should always well, because... be a backup plan because you're still people. Well, and that's why it's it, that's why it's a discussion. Like it's right. two people sitting down saying, "How do you view DS? What does DS mean to you?" Like when you and I always ask people when they approach me, like you know, I I want to have a contract. Okay, well, since you're wanting to get serious about stuff, right? Let's sit down, and I want you to describe to me what your ideal DS dynamic looks like. Tell me, mm-hmm. tell me, and your if everything went completely perfect all of the time and you were fulfilled and happy, had the dominant of your dreams. Right. What does that look like to you? I love tell asking me, those questions. You, yeah. Because you learn a lot. And from you that, do. that to me is, is a healthy way to have that conversation. Yes. The unhealthy way to do that is here are my demands. Even, even as a dominant, I don't ever sit down with a submissive and say, here's the list of things that you will do without question. No, I've I've have never been that way. It's there. The only hard and fast rules are be polite, communicate, and I expect you to behave like an adult. Which Those it should be anyway. Fast rules. Well, it's common sense because otherwise you you're think. not present in the dynamic and you're not in, right. of service to me at all if you can't do those three basic functions. No, absolutely. In fact, I'm I'm often when I'm projectively, uh, prospectively, uh, it's <laughs> going to be that kind of night. I see it going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you already know. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, but what I, one of my favorite things to do is I will actually put the submissive on a spot when I'm having that interview format negotiation with them of what things in your life are you seeking to improve on? Yeah. And I'm not – that's not an open broadband of I'm going to fix them all for you. It puts you on the point of the things that you know as an adult can be helped by having a dominant. What will work to help you improve those life skills in a way that you need that I can focus on as a point you want me to focus on? And it opens that dialogue box because then we can move on to how that will look for both of us till we agree on it. Mm -hmm. And obviously I don't want to dive too deep into that because that goes into actual like contract negotiations. and, And there will be a point we actually cover that as a whole episode because it's worth it for people who aren't familiar with how that all works in the ins and outs. But mm-hmm. for the purposes of this discussion, it is part of that. And it's part of allowing the other person their input. It's like, here's a point where you can invite yourself into the conversation for me, where I can get a feel for where you want to be. And then we can talk about where we both want to be instead of, okay, then you're going to do this, which is the opposite of that and never should be okay. Okay. <laughs> Right, exactly. Which ultimately still goes back to consent. It really does. Because even if the other person's like, well, you can just tell me what to do. I'm okay with that. I, Well, actually, that kind of technically is a yellow flag all its own. Is a blanket. I give you blanket consent out of the gate before we've even gotten past negotiation. I'm, I appreciate your enthusiasm, but I need you to be a little more clear of a grown-up. Uh, <laughs> Well, and but emotional maturity is a big part of that. You know, their EQ, not the IQ, right? Right. I just. No, absolutely. 
No, exactly. It, it is gross, and it's gross because I, whether it's someone who is literally just trying to push to the point of getting you in that position of being in a dynamic, mm-hmm. or they legitimately have an unhealthy habit developed from bad experiences. I find it's usually that one. It it frequently is, and that's why I call it a yellow flag over a red flag initially. Like, it's something that's worth carefully feeling around rather than assuming the worst, mm-hmm. but not something you ignore. As a, ooh, they gave me free yeah. blanket. Awesome, we can just keep on going. I'm cool with this. Like, no, 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 because then you're enabling it even. Even if you yourself aren't trying to problem. abuse them, yeah. you could still be enabling it, and that's not healthy for either of you either way. It's just not. Okay. Well, because at that point you're exploiting it to fulfill your own needs. Yeah, even if it's you not know, with the you found, you, even you if found it's not intentional, person. you're still doing it. Yeah, hundred percent. And to me, that's even creepier. And it's weird how those people tend to find each other. No, that's that. true. That's fair. That uh, uh, that's more true. Than I mean, it should be. I feel a little unclean now. <laughs> you're not wrong. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it so well, many times. I really have. But that whole blanket consent concept, to me, I find it happens more often with inexperienced people. Oh, it definitely does. It's not. And it's because they don't understand what consent looks like. They don't understand what needs and wants look like. They don't understand why they need to have them. mm -mm. They're putting all of their faith and trust in this person that they're looking at as being more experienced and therefore more trustworthy and just saying, I blindly trust you have my best interest at heart and the reality is we like to think that about people but they don't act like that much different yep no it's much darker than that and And these people are very exploitative right well and that's the problem is the people who aren't exploitative if you give them that they're going to immediately feel extremely awkward because they're going to be concerned about abusing it they're going Mm -hmm. to be like well i don't know how to handle this because there's no way i can't accidentally step on you in the process and even if you're okay with it now, there's going to be a point where subconsciously you're going to think about it and feel resentment or run into a limit or any number of triggers or any number of a thousand other things I'm going to accidentally trip over because mm-hmm. you're not talking about them. Yeah. And you're no less guilty for causing them at that point, but it's it's woeful negligence out of your nobody's fault at that point. And so what frequently happens is those people, those doms, frequently will step out of it before it gets anywhere because they feel so uncomfortable because they Mm -hmm. know that it will not be able to be used responsibly. Like there's no position where that won't have a risk that's not worth pursuing. So yeah, frequently the people that do chase after it are the predatory types and the exploitative types where they're like, ooh, free bait. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely not what you want. (laughs) Well, see, and I find that that right there, those are those... (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna get on another soapbox for a hot minute oh please do those are those dominants that are so shit that they can't find partners because they're just they're creepy or toxic or whatever and so what they end up doing is going after they end up going after well fresh meat right yeah because they're like oh hello because no one else will tell them anything (laughs) exactly i'm gonna i'm gonna go do x y and z because you don't know any better and that's right. Come worship me as the one true dom. Ugh. Um, but that but that's where it comes from, right? No, it does. And it, and it never it fails that those the starry eyed submissives come into kink. They're Ugh. all excited. They meet one of those pricks. 
And You're being they so start, nice they, right now. <laughs> I, <laughs> like my filter's gone. Um, but they meet these pricks, and then what pisses me off is because of these negative experiences they have, they instantly go, well, kink's not for me. Yeah, and that and hurts so then so you much. find them at an event sitting in the corner because they're like, oh, I just, I don't feel like I mesh with anybody here. Kink's not for me. Nothing is going the way that I thought it was going to be like. And it's like, no, you just happen to find that one asshole in the entire haystack of dominance. Yeah. And it just ruins people's perspectives. And because they are not friends with other submissives, they're not being shown, hey, wait a minute, that's actually toxic. Or, hey, no, that's not normal, mm-hmm. you know. Because I'm sorry, subs need to friend each other. No, they do. They need subs, to be a network they, I mean, for their own good. Just like dominance need to, right? There's a reason we friend each other. And like with dominance, it's the asshole check. With submissives, it's don't be, you know, predator bait. <laughs> no, absolutely. And yeah, Islander's absolutely right. It's so much worse when you see it happen to someone else and you know about it. Mm-hmm. It really is. Even if you don't mm-hmm. know that person well enough to care about them per se. Right. Right. Uh, like, and it even goes oh, to, yeah, it's, true. It, it's that whole concept, the whole concept of scaring them out of kink, so to speak. Um, yeah, and I won't, what they do. I won't get into finer details because it's not my story to tell, but the generals mm-hmm. of it are something we're all familiar with. And it's, uh, yeah. you know, I came across someone recently who their partner, who is slightly older than they are, keyword being slightly older. Um, and they met at work. It wasn't a grooming situation or anything. I can vouch for that. Like, I know them both well enough <laughs> to at least speak to that. It wasn't something where they yeah. preyed upon them. They're both, you know, one's early 30s, late 20s for the guy. And she was pushing him to be dominant. And he's into it. Like, he wants to explore it. He finds it fascinating. He's enjoying himself. But then there's the other side of that equation, which is... Not the kink side of it, but unfortunately still needs to be addressed. And that's she's still toxic because she would waffle in their relationship. Mm. But then be waffling in the kink side after. So what would happen is is he wouldn't be sure of her commitment level to their relationship. But then she'd push him to either alternately do more with her or go find another submissive to feed the desire she won't provide. And it wouldn't That's just happen. Emotional hostage taking. You got it. You got it. And it's gross Ew. on so many levels. And I actually had to have the conversation with him. And I didn't want to because it wasn't my place. I didn't know him well enough to feel comfortable having it. But I knew him right. well enough to know I didn't want him to continue getting hurt. And I said, sure. listen, you can totally ignore me or tell me to fuck off. Because it's not my place. <laughs> and I know but... it's not my place. So please understand, I recognize that. And if you want to just not mm-hmm. listen to me and walk away, you can tell me to shut up at any point, And I will. <laughs> and I didn't turn around and tell him that she's a nasty cunt or anything like that. Like, I didn't go on a tirade about her. Because that obviously isn't going to work. No. Like, as much as it would have deserved, right? Like, I would have had fun doing it. But it wouldn't <laughs> have solved the problem, which is getting him away from it to, for himself. Right. And I said, listen, you need to be able to make good decisions for your own good. I don't, yeah. it doesn't sound to me like she's taking care of your needs in a way that you're happy about because you're always unhappy. She's always seesawing on you and leaving you questioning where you stand on a constant basis. Mm-hmm. Do not. And he even voiced the fact that he wasn't sure if kink was for him because of her, mm-hmm. because he is mm-hmm. very strongly still in a monogamous mindset, which. Oh. You know, and I told him because he knows that I'm poly. He doesn't know all the details, but he knew I was kinky. So it's something that's come up. 
and it wasn't because he's tried to ask me to mentor him or any of that. Like he's he's still young enough, he's still figuring shit out, but he's old enough to know he needs to if he wants to explore okay. it. Okay. And I had the conversation like, look, just because I have been poly my entire life doesn't mean that's the model you need to follow to even be a part of it. Monogamy is not not only a valid choice, but you are absolutely valid to want it regardless of who you meet. As long as you are being clear up front that that is what you want. Because the moment they agree and then waffle later, that is on them and not you. You are entitled Mm -hmm. to the things that make you happy if you are being clear as a grown-up about it. And everything you've told me sounds like you have been. Do not Mm -hmm. sell your interest in finding out more about what makes you tick because someone else isn't allowing you to grow fairly. And that is all I'm going to say on it. I'm not going to tell you what to do, how you should do it, any of that. But if you feel strongly Uh about a certain way of doing things, do not sell yourself short or worse, sacrifice a part of what might be one of the best things you've ever discovered because someone else isn't treating you fairly regardless of that part of it. Mm. And I hate having Mm. that conversation here because it's not a BDSM specific thing. And it's found just as much in vanilla as not, but it needs to be said because regardless, it's still a flag that affects your kink journey. And mm-hmm. that's why it still mm-hmm. needs to be voiced. Because it is I a big it, one. Well. <laughs> and I'll say, it, I think it happens in, in kink. Because of people not having the same fetishes. I see it a lot with that. Where you have a couple. Prime example. I see it a lot with couples. Both are interested in kink. Because it's sexy. It's, you know, the aesthetic is very sexy and powerful and you know who doesn't want to feel sexy so they get into it finally come to a dungeon one half of the the relationship finds certain things that are visually appealing to them that they want to try the other party is like yeah i don't want to do any of those things but check out this thing over here like that's hot too and they realize that they have very different interests within kink right they both still want to explore and they don't know how to reconcile that to where they can fulfill each other's exploration together. Right. So they open up the relationship to start exploring with other yep. people. Yeah. And they do it way too soon. <laughs> you know, not to say that, you know, they always have to play together like every single time. But what that means is you need to be able to communicate if you're going to allow your partner. And I say allow in the sense of emotionally allow, not give permission. You know, if you and your partner have decided we're going to open up the relationship, so to speak, to where we can play with other people, not even sex, just like, hey, you want to experience rope, so this person's going to tie you and that person's not me, right? Yeah. Not every couple's okay with that. No, because it's and still intimate. not every intimate. couple has to be. Yeah, absolutely. And there's nothing – and something else that I've seen that creeps me the fuck out, and, and again, it's something around couples. They'll come into yeah. a play space. They want to explore – and whatever asshole top they get is like, oh, yeah, I'll play with her, but I'm not playing with you. Yep. Or I'll play with her, but no, I'm not comfortable with you watching. Oh, no, that not. What the fuck? Like, if you know they're a couple and half. that's the case, yeah. then you shouldn't be approaching that conversation at all. 100%. Because there's nothing wrong with saying, go, oh, I well, don't okay. want to, if you're being ethical about it. But you don't get to say, well, actually, that kind of segues together with something else anyway. And that's that whole culling Mm -hmm. out of the community, a.k.a. separating from the pack. Which is not okay. No, and that's guilty on both sides of the slash equally as well. 
And I have watched submissives quarter a dom and get him off to the side and tell him all the things oh, yeah. he wants to hear about how she's going to serve him. And they go off together because she's hitting all the buttons he wants to hit, have. Mm-hmm. She, she's convinced mm-hmm. them to go back to her place. I'll be right there tonight. We can get start start right away. All this glorious shit, which of course is still shit. Mm-hmm. And it separates him from the community when he's so new more often than not, he doesn't know any better yet. And that's so what I makes it gross. See it. it poisons that person's journey. I know, 100%. But what I've seen, that same type of dynamic, what I have seen the reverse of, not the reverse, but something kind of linear to that. Right. Submissive will, you know, have, have the dom. I'll be the perfect sub for you. You won't need any other submissives. Knowing that that person was playing with other people. Oh, yes. And then play the anxiety card and say, no, no, because I'm insecure. Mm-hmm. They get jealous, everything else. You're not allowed to play with other people because you should be focused to me. Even though they never made it clear up front that they were monogamous or monogamous minded. Yeah. I see that a lot. And subs play that because I have to be the one true sub. And, you know. They, they feel like they have to be superior to all of their submissives. So See, they isolate that dominant f- and then start isolating the dominant from within their own community. No, I don't want to go to those events. No, I don't want to go to those parties. No, I'm not okay going to a munch because then you're just around other subs. That's See, and like, I'm, I'm not proud of this, but I need to specify that that's also not a kink only situation because that's exactly oh, what happened to me. And I'm not proud oh, really? of it. I'm not proud of having missed it. But, you know, at 30 years old, someone I had 10 years of history with, and I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. trying to, you know, I don't want anybody trying to hate her, find her, shit on her. Let me be very clear that this isn't a hate thing. This is just establishing facts at this point in my life. I don't have time for the rest of that. <laughs> I, I need to say that, though, because God forbid someone decides that they're upset enough about it to do something for me. I, I'm right, not that kind of have. person. I right. don't want that. That's That doesn't solve right. anything, and it ruins everybody's energy. We all have better things to do. True. But my ex-wife, very much knowing I was polyamorous, knowing I was pansexual, knowing I was into kink heavily by the time we got that involved, because she'd known me for a decade. She knew what I was. Mm-hmm. And she called me absolutely and convinced me that, you know, I'm not comfortable with that and I need you to understand because we care about each other and we've known each other. So she preyed upon our history with mm-hmm. each other. She relied on it to push me in the right direction. I mean, she was yeah. a narcissist and at that point I was too blind to it. I was too young and she was someone I'd known for so long. We had this deep history and it yeah. was close history, like not not intimate history, but close history for long enough to build a foundation of strength. To where it wasn't hard for her to convince me maybe this was the right idea. And that was my fault mm-hmm. for being blind enough to let her. I freely admit that that was at least my partially fault. It's not all on her. I'm not proud of it, but it is what it is. And it's my mistake as well as hers. Because I did allow it to happen. Knowing no, full I, well it wasn't healthy that. for me. And I figured that out long enough to regret it. It's one of the few things I do regret about that part of my life. Because as soon as I plugged back into the community, when I separated from her, there was an immediate like, oh, God, what was wrong with me? Because the change mm-hmm. in my own comfort zones was immediate. Mm-hmm. And that was how badly I understood the depths of how bad I was. Because I had been separated from the community for so long and so separated from the Florida community, no less, 
which you're yeah, familiar right? with. Yeah, I was yeah. deep in that shit. <laughs> on purpose. It was my entire 20s. You know, mm-hmm. on and off for various things in the old, you know, the OG days, as we like to call them. <laughs> I was thriving in that, and I cut myself off of it. So when I mm-hmm. moved to Minnesota, I had nothing. I knew yeah, no one. I hadn't. I had to start. I mean, you start from scratch often when you go to a new area anyway in kink. And that part doesn't sure. bother me because I'm, I'm not, you know, oh, you should just know who I am. No, how the hell would you? You don't know me from Adam, and yeah. I wouldn't expect you to. So I'll expect you to learn me by my behavior. Right. So in that regard, it wasn't an issue. But my issue was relearning everything in an age that had gone digital because I had cut myself out. Mm. So I can speak from experience when I say how gross that is because I know what it does to you from firsthand experience. See, and I had a very different situation with my ex because I was wanting to dive into kink and he did not. And so he actually prevented me from even like going out and finding community right, or anything like that because he was, and again, his insecurities. Right. But he was so worried that somebody else would take me from him because they would have more to offer me than he did. Yeah. And so he isolated me from even going to, to things. Like he actually went to one club with me one time and he went to one convention. It was a fetish convention in Orlando. We did do that together. But aside from that, he literally had zero interest and would not encourage me, would not support me, yep. and actively prevented me from trying to even reach out to other people to, to ask questions. And it was that isolation just yep. to try to keep me under his control. Hmm? No, and I, I don't want to harp on this too hard for too long because I feel strongly enough about it. I easily can and I know it. <laughs> but it's an important one because it's one of the most vital. And I think people need to understand that as why it's such a strong red flag, especially in my opinion. It's mm-hmm. not just from personal experience. It's because I know as someone who plugs into the community actively on purpose, and I always have. Right. This community, the kink community at large, not just this one server, not just one area, not one local space, as a communal whole across the globe is vital to your kink journey in ways people don't understand until they've plugged into it hard enough for long enough. Not because you always have to socialize all the time, but because you need that network of healthy, ethical people because those insecurities are going to come up to a person. And that that's also not a kink thing. That's a person thing. Um, Mm -hmm. As a poly person, that's a very common insecurity that happens. And part of the process yeah. is you teach them how to learn through their insecurities. If I would not stay with you for someone else, I don't deserve you anyway. And would you want me to stay if it was that easy for me to walk away? But those are things that yeah, take time and communication with other people who can approach mm-hmm. you and say, no, you don't have anything to worry about there. We're not here to predate on your relationship. In fact, we'll show you the way for this to work without you even being wanting to be in it. But it means you have to be part of the community to be there. That's the key. It's in a vacuum until you do. Mm -hmm. And that exactly, that is exactly what the point is, is you're in a vacuum when you make those decisions until you plug in with other people who have done it, who have walked Mm -hmm. it, who can reassure you that no, nobody wants to do this. And the people that will, we don't want around either. 
We want you both to be thrilled, fulfilled, and happy. Even if kink isn't your journey. You don't need to be a part of this to be healthy. I think you're missing out personally, but I'm never going to force it on you or tell you you're wrong. Yeah. If anything, I'm going to go out of my way to make you feel content that your partner is not going to be stolen, abused, or disabused from you over it. And I will make sure that they stay healthy. Because that is what I want in my community. Well, see, and that, to me, that brings up another flag. Specifically around S-types. And that's... No, but seriously. It's the expectation. It's the expectation that you're going to somehow, as the dominant, take full responsibility for for their mental and physical well-being. And you cannot do that. They have to own that still. They don't don't get absolved of all responsibility because they have a dominant. No. And I've seen submissives do that. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, Plenty of times. I've been... I've been the victim of it. Um, well, me. oh, you're fine. When it, I, just, I had to cough and I wasn't going to do that in everyone's ear. <laughs> nope, totally. Um, I, but I personally have had this happen. Um, I had a submissive who was very young um, and had a lot of anxiety problems, had a lot of social anxiety problems, um, but it was debilitating anxiety. I'm not talking about, oh, I just get nervous walking into a room. This was paralyzing fear and social anxiety that was so bad that they honestly could not make decisions. And so what they in turn did was obviously downplayed it to me because they knew it was not necessarily a positive trait that they possessed. Right. Um, Ironically, the person also came from an affluent family, so he thought that he could disguise it by being a little more flamboyant with spending money and things like uh, that, not realizing that I would pick up on what was happening. Yeah. Um, but it got to the point where um, we would play. We'd have a great time. Um, and by the time I picked up on it, I want to be clear, we were already in a dynamic. This didn't happen just casual play. Gotcha. We were already in a dynamic when I started actually picking up on the shit. And what he would do, we would play, have a great time. The next day, he would he would go through some of those mental gymnastics of how I was so depraved. Oh, my God, I did these things. Now you're going to think less of me because I, I did these things with you. And now because I did these things with you, if anybody finds out, oh, my God, um, and then that shifted to every time we interacted, those thoughts started coming in even before the scene. It was, what are you planning? You need to tell me every single step of what you're planning because I need to prepare myself emotionally for it to the point where he began micromanaging our play. Oh. And in a sense, like dictating how we were going to play because he he would literally tell me, no, I think I'm gonna. That's gonna be anxiety provoking. I can't do that activity. Ugh. And so then I would change and go, okay, so what's what's something that you feel up to tonight? Which I had no problem doing initially because right. I think that's valid. You know, hey, listen, I'm not equipped for that tonight. Can we have a different kind of play? Sure. No, absolutely. But it turned into every night. Blah. And then it turned into almost like emotional warfare because he then started manipulating me using his anxiety. And it, it became so pervasive that my my husband literally was like, who's the dominant in this relationship? 
And I was like, holy shit, you're right. I'm not. He was dictating when we played, how we played, to what intensity, what, what implements. He would dictate what I wore because I was, you know, again, trying to fulfill the fantasy and do all this cool shit, right? And it got to the point where he absolutely had basically turned me into a service top, if not a pro dom, because he would then feel guilty because he would recognize in himself that he was doing this shit and manipulating me. And they would try to, like, here, here's a gift to, to smooth it over. Oh, poor me, I'm, I'm poor sorry. me. I'm a terrible poor person me. here. Would you forgive me so we can keep doing this? Yep, exactly. Yep. And then it yep. morphed from that. Because then this, all of this happened within, and I want people to understand this. This wasn't a fast progression. No. It's not like it was the third time we ever played and he pulled this shit. It was six months later. I mean, it was very much a gradual progression, which is why I didn't see it for what it was. It was, you know, the, the frog in a hot water bowl kind of a thing. I didn't realize I was being boiled until I was boiling. Um. Towards the end, when I finally called it off, and I was like, listen, you're just toxic. I'm fucking done. Like, I can't do this shit. I didn't hear from him for about six months. Next phone call I got was, I tried to kill myself, and it's your fault. Because when you left me, you didn't leave me with a proper support system to be able to handle losing a dominant. This was your fault. Oh, that's gross. So I had to deal with that bullshit, which made me question, am I actually a dominant? Should I be dominant? Can I actually take control of another person and what that entails? I fucked up. And what I fucked up on was picking a bad partner. Yeah. What I fucked up on was ignoring red flags. That's what I fucked up on. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I wasn't cut out for kink, but this one submissive literally made me question whether or not I was even meant to be in kink because I clearly was irresponsible and didn't take his needs into consideration. At all and, times, all the time. Yeah. Right. No, absolutely. And that's what he did is he didn't want to take responsibility for his mental health. He didn't want to take responsibility for decisions that he was making. He wanted me to do that for him so that he could say, well, look, they made me do it. It's not my fault. She didn't warn me or it's not my fault. She told me to do this. And it was like, you can't push literally life decisions onto me. Like that's that's not how this works. No. Yeah, like, you know, and so like he prime example. I could go on for hours about this one. He <laughs> I feel he that. had a car. Had a, and again had a very nice car. Decided to trade it in and get another car, which also meant a larger monthly payment. Right. Right. That then became my fault because we had had a conversation where I was like, well, is this feasible for you? I mean, I understand wanting a new car. Everybody always wants newer, better, faster things. Like I get it. But are you in a position where that's feasible right now? He was like, no, I can afford the payments and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, listen, if the, the pros outweigh the cons, that's do it. You know, it sounds like that's in your best interest. You know, and again, to me, this was not a dom sub conversation. To me, this was the same way I would talk to a friend. Right. Bouncing ideas off of me about life shit. And I'm talking to you about life shit like two adults should be able to talk. Right. He went and got... He traded his vehicle in, got a new car. He wanted something sexy and fast. Got into some trouble. It got repossessed. And he blamed me for it because I'm the one that talked him into it. And he overextended himself. And I should have known better because as a dominant, I should have been able to point out to him that it was a bad decision. A real dominant would have stopped me. Yeah. That's what he did to me. That's what he did to me. And so 
six months into this journey with this submissive, I literally am talking to other dominants and I'm like, I'm not dominant. All of them are looking at me like, how are you not dominant? Like, we know you. Yes, you are. And I'm like, no, I, I don't. I will never have another DS relationship. But they were like, why? Oh, yeah. Because like, I'm, I'm shit at it. I'm clearly a shitty dominant. Because I didn't take in, you know, and it took other dominants pointing this stuff out to me to show me like what had happened. And had I not had other dominants that I was interacting with, I absolutely would have left kink. Yep. hundred percent. I would have left kink thinking that I was a shitty person and that I was em emotionally abusive yeah. or toxic. And, it, and that couldn't have been further from the truth. I'm sure I was toxic in other ways, just not that one. Well, but it's yeah. an understandable thing. Mm -hmm. Community is key. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, and the same in a segue of a similar format. And I, you know, for the, for the submissives that are starting to get a little butt hurt and a little concerned that this is all we're going to harp on or that we're shitting all over that, <laughs> please understand I'm about to get into dom traits that are more dom heavy. Oh my God, it's yeah. not just about submissives. It's that if you've paid attention to anything we've ever talked about, it's that we're, we are proponents of pointing out that submissives are not immune or saints in any way. Because enough mm -hmm. people like to think that, oh, all submissives are harmless, innocent little angels. Bullshit. <laughs> there are plenty of abusive fucks on that end of the spectrum, too. But please don't think for a moment that we're not going to get into back on both. Because absolutely. But the one, the other side to that I want to absolutely specify, because I've seen it up close more than once, is the whole, you are a cure for all of my problems. And this goes back to that conversation we had with S-types about broken people. Yeah. Who, you know, I was using the example of certain types of female submissives, and it's more common in females. Where, you know, they're not as effective at life skills when they're putting themselves first as opposed to taking care of everyone around them. And there's a difference between that and someone who is legitimately broken, who literally can't keep a job, can't keep money, can't keep a car, can't take care of their kids, has a drug problem. But they'll come along and absolutely be like, well, you're the dominant. You should be able to fix all these things for me. Mm. Yep. That's the difference, though. That is the exact thing, the kind of thing you were talking about, and that's exactly what that is. It's a pure red flag of brokenness. That is someone who expects you to fix all their ills, and that isn't how that works. Mm -mm. Can you, if you had chosen to take on someone who may have a drug addiction in a healthy way, yeah, that is certainly an option if you're both consensual to it, and that's something that's worth looking at because you're both otherwise ethically okay. But that is yeah. not the same thing because she's you're both approaching it differently as opposed to, well, you're the dominant. Why don't you just fix it for me? Mm -hmm. That is not the same at all. Save me syndrome. Absolutely, Kuba. Absolutely. And that goes back to the broken the bird shit. Syndrome. It, mm -hmm. it, and it goes back to broken bird syndrome like I opened up with. It's, oh, I must fix them. I must fix them. They're broken. I'll make them better. Yeah, right. That's not how that works. It okay. can't work. Mm -mm. Because it takes more than you are capable of giving. Especially if they're not giving back to balance it out. See, I see it on the opposite side too. It's also ego fulfillment. Because if yep. you're the type that's like, no, I need to save this person. Look at how great I made this person. I turned them into something amazing. And you're doing that simply for that self-aggrandizing yep. thing. You're the toxic one. And actually that goes, goes into a red flag for the fucking doms. Yep. No, I, but 
that's the thing is it, it they, there are dominants out there who view submissives as projects a hundred percent absolutely they view them as a way of showing look how awesome of a dominant i am because i turn this person into yep I turn this person into something beautiful and it's like god you're trash no absolutely absolutely garbage yeah mm-hmm. Like yeah. all of these make my skin crawl because they're all things <laughs> I've actively witnessed and they are mm-hmm. red flags. The red flags are the worst kind because they involve manipulating somebody else to an unhealthy place that absolutely puts them in a position that either A, breaks them mm-hmm. or B, walks them right out of kink because of the damage it does. And neither of those is okay in any capacity ever. There's a difference between helping someone become the best version of themselves versus radically changing a person. Yep. Or now, more specifically I, laugh, manipulating them to be what you want. Because Right, right. Because I laugh and I was like, you know, part of being a dominant is coaching to a degree. Right. I own that. Oh, like, no, there, absolutely. There's, there's a component of being a dominant that you are life coaching to some degree. Not everybody comes into kink as fully functioning, healthy adults. And so you have to be prepared to kind of deal with that. Right. But that doesn't mean that I'm fixing someone. No. You know, that doesn't mean that I'm, that it's somehow a credit to me that this person got their life together. It's a credit to that person that they, that they were empowered enough finally to get their life right. together. Like it has nothing to do with me. I just provided the stable flat platform for them to jump off of, to be able to do what they needed. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, no, that absolutely. Means, I get so mad when I see, and I see it a lot with female dominance. All maids are fucking horrible about this. Mm. Uh, you know, when I met him, like he was just trash and he didn't have a job. He didn't have a house. He didn't have a car. And now look at him. He's living with me. He serves me all the time. And now he's got a great job because now he can buy me things. And I hear that a lot. And I'm like, so the end result is you just wanted a dude that could give money to you. That's what you just taught me. Well, and I, I won't, you know, trying to help somebody have a better life. See, I won't say it doesn't happen with male dominance at all by any stretch. It, what happens is that it tends to be more sexually skewed where it's look at this horrible slut I made, Mm -hmm. which is just, if not, in some ways it's even more grosser and it happens just as much. It's like, you know, Mm -hmm. she was this innocent little submissive when I met her. She didn't know which way was up and I taught her how to be my personal filthy whore. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like and it, you it's basically the same turned her thing. into a blow up doll, but then yep. it's that magnanimousness of look what I did. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. No, you're just an asshole. And not the Yeah, because it's not about no. her at all. Nope. It's about what you, you did her. to them. And it right. could have been anyone at that point. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it does go both ways. Like it was just said in the in the chalkboard, look at this long term sugar daddy I made. Yep. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Dude. It's the yeah. same thing, and it can happen that way too. Absolutely. And to me, to me, I equate it to predatory grooming. It is. It absolutely is. Mm-hmm. And how could it not be? You're literally grooming them to be what you want them to be, regardless of themselves. Not finding out if you can have them learn to be part of what you want as well as what they want, and vice versa in a mutual power exchange. Oh, no, it's an exchange like it's supposed to fucking be. But grooming as in I want you to be what I want, not what you should be, which could even be both. There's a huge difference in how that's approached. 
the way I see it is it's removing of someone's personality that they already had to inject yep. a new personality that you found more pleasing. Yeah, exactly. Instead of the other way around of saying, I love you for who you are. I want you to be the best version of yourself that's still authentically it's, you. If you love me, you'd be like this. Right, which is so gross. Uh, yeah. Well, and by the uh, same token, uh, right alongside it, right alongside it for the dominance is dismissing your opinions or thoughts mm -hmm. under the guise of, well, I'm the dominant. Your point is irrelevant. You should just listen to what I say. Trash. Garbage as hell. Like, if mm -hmm. I'm just like, well, I'm the dominant, you just have to obey me. What? No. No. Absolutely not. In fact, if you just went along with everything I said, I'd have my own yellow flags and I'd either be noping out yeah, the door or now. digging through it. Now, mm -hmm. I'm not saying that means I would absolutely hard no out of the conversation every time, but mm -hmm. I would absolutely feel around to make sure that it's someone who isn't, okay, this person obviously has an issue. Let me make sure that issue isn't something that I can't work with. And there's a huge yeah. difference because that's based on my energy level, my commitment level my ability to work in it and recognize whether or not I have the ability to for their sake too. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm not going to be able to put the energy forward to help with that, you know, forget all the other parts that go with that negotiation at that point after that, the way the dynamic right. will look, your needs, your limits, your everything else that goes with that. Before mm -hmm. you even get that far, there's this hurdle of regardless of how they got it, assuming it's not an actual red flag and they're just a douche, which is obviously a whole yeah. different issue and should right. just be a nope out of the gate. Yeah. It it's <laughs> this is a problem that has to be hurdled for me to approach the rest. Do I have the personal energy and investment ability to give them what they need to see past it for any of the rest to even matter? Or am I not yeah. capable of giving them what they need? And it would be more responsible for me to not do so and have a healthy conversation about why they should pursue that elsewhere. Because that I doesn't personally... mean you can't converse, converse about things later or turn that into another kind of relationship that's not at the same level. As long I mean, as you're personally... able to ethically talk with each other about it. There is zero harm or shame in saying, I'm not the dominant for you. Right. Exactly. I'm not the submissive for you. Zero harm in being that self-aware. No. Because if anything, you're doing yourselves both a service by being honest about mm -hmm. it. Because I mean, why would be you, right, no, exactly. And it could be even really awesome friends or even deeply intimate friends. You could be amazing play partners that just don't have the wherewithal to be anything more than that because you don't have the ability, but you can right. recognize that in each other to pursue it where you need to and still mm -hmm. have that amazing relationship with each other that's not at that level. Because why should you sacrifice that? Mm-hmm. But that's why you talk about it in an ethical way and approach it as two grown-ups. Right. You know, right. and that's why we have these conversations. That's why we talk about these things. Is so you can approach things as a grown-up, whether you're poly, whether you're monogamous, whether you're both, neither, whatever. Monogamous. I don't care if you prefer to fuck a tree. Like, that's your <laughs> business at the end of the day if that tree is capable of ethical <laughs> consent. <laughs> I mean, obviously I'm stretching that around the bend, but wow. – no, did those redwoods consent? Oh. Right. I mean, they it sounds consent. silly, of course, but it's the same principle is at the end of the day. Yeah, tree beard looking thick. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's about being able to have those conversations in a way that both grownups can look at each other and say, I'm really attracted to you or I find you fascinating. But 
I am not the person for you and you may not be the person for me. Mm-hmm. time and lubrication is more accurate than it should be on how many levels and it applies to far more than that joke but anyway <laughs> i couldn't help that one. Oh no but it applies to so many things universally anyway it just does <laughs> everything can be and now someone is listening to the podcast and thinking way too hard about it until they regret their life choices you're welcome um <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I hope you suffered the a next little. hike the next <laughs> hike will be extremely exciting Sure. <laughs> the hike. <laughs> um, but no, it's a case where, you know, and I've had people who, you know, there was a lady when I was out in Sacramento who, you know, we were very attracted to each other, but mm-hmm. we were neither of us in a position where committed relationships were healthy. I had yeah. just dealt with my divorce. I had finally gotten out from the last partner I was with and everything that went with that triad that had turned from a triad. And she had just come out of a divorce and we were honest with each other. Like we really enjoy conversation with each other. You're smart. It's fun to talk to you. We like each other, but I am not capable of giving you what you need. And it would be unrealistic for me to pretend I am just because I like your face. Yeah, exactly. And we had a wonderful friendship that pursued for a number of years until she, she fell off the map because of other issues at her life. And I understand Mm -hmm. that happens. You know, we didn't know each other anything. It wasn't that deep. But it was an amazing friendship for the time it lasted because it didn't need to be more. And we were both grown up enough to be like, no, this is exactly where we should be. And we can say this with each other and not be regretting our life choices or hinting at other things or pretending but actually meaning something else. It was literally being mature grownups. And that makes all the difference. (laughs) Uh, it, It shouldn't be, but yes, yes, it is. But that's why I harp on it so hard about ethical communication and why grown-up conversation matters. It's not even about making someone feel like they're less mature if they don't. It's about how amazing it is when you do and how better the community grows when you all do. All of us. Because at the end of the day, don't we all want a healthy, functional community full of kinky fuckery instead of having to count thousands of checks and balances because we don't? Mm Mm-hmm. Which would you rather have? <laughs> I know what I prefer. Yeah, I was going to say, to me, that's a no-brainer. Right? It should yeah. be. I realize why it isn't for everybody, but yeah, like like it was said, <laughs> I thought we didn't have nice things. Well, we don't have nice things because we don't want nice things. That's different. But that's why we actively pursue not having nice things on purpose. Mm-hmm. But even that should be done with a mature eye. And that's, but that again, that goes more towards emotional maturity, not yes. actual intelligence, right? Right. Well, yeah, because you can I'll be book smart as fuck and still be socially immature. Exactly. And it happens all the time, especially yeah. you know. I hate, I hate doing the whole agey thing because you know everyone wants to make jokes about how old I am, but it does matter. You know, at twenty years old, I didn't have the emotional maturity to recognize my lack of emotional maturity. And now I'm at the point where I recognize, yeah, you aren't book smart alone because in a vacuum, that's still just in a vacuum and it doesn't help you the same way. Emotional maturity means being able to approach another person or talk about this like we are now and saying, yeah, this particular group is really shitty about this. And it's not because I hate that. I'm still a dominant. You think that works without a submissive? I don't hate them. 
it's being able to look at both sides of it and saying, yeah, my people are shit too, but so are they. And it's being able to recognize all the shit so you can flush it all down and go away. <laughs> yeah, I... That analogy didn't go where I wanted it to, but it works for the purposes of. <laughs> no, it, I mean, I, I think I understand what you're trying to say. I mean, it's... To, to me, there's always going to be an every DS relationship. Well, not even DS, just in play in general, right? First interactions are always awkward. They don't always oh, God, go 100% yes. according to plan. Like, the first time I play with people, do I, I obviously have an open mind, but I try to have a roadmap in my head of kind of like how shit should go. And I would say just about every single time, shit goes sideways. It does. That, that mental, like, mental roadmap that I had built. And that doesn't mean somebody fucked up. No, doesn't mean not at all. that I didn't consider all angles. It doesn't mean that I didn't pay attention enough or there didn't pay attention, like, whatever, right? Like, none, none of those are necessarily the case. Sometimes things just are not meant to be. You know, I've, I've had people that I have had amazing play chemistry with that absolutely could not be my submissive. Right, exactly. And that does and happen. That was okay. Right. And it was totally fine doesn't mean that they were less of an amazing play partner. It just means that I knew you were only a play partner. And that's okay. And it should be okay, more importantly. Mm -hmm. I think, to me, it's healthy. It is. Personally. Because I think the fact that you recognize that and that that person can't be all those things, that means that I recognized you're not a boyfriend. Right. You're not going to become a lover. You're You're literally somebody I interact with in the club, and that is all. And that's something we're both happy about. Yeah. Well, and that, it kind of goes together with the whole thing I'm talking about with ethical communication, because at the end of the day, this is where we come to the other side of that equation, where the green flags are. The green flags are the people who are taking the time out to understand your kink journey and how it interacts with theirs, if there's any point to pursuing that, who want to know where your limits are and where the hard limits are and why they're non-negotiable, so that they can respect your needs and how they fit in with theirs. It's mm-hmm. recognizing the responsibility for themselves and their own actions, even the unhealthy ones, so mm-hmm. that you can mutually find where you fit or don't fit or where someone else might fit better. It's about how you can welcome new people to the fold, whether they're coming from vanilla, whether they're from another community, mm-hmm. whether their partner isn't comfortable and being able to welcome them with open arms and say, no, no, it's OK for you to feel awkward. We got you. Let us show you why that's okay so you're no longer awkward or afraid of it. And that's how it should be. Those are the green flags. Those are the things you want. Is someone who not only respects your limits or respects your needs in a submissive dynamic, it's not just those things. It's all the things that go with being a decent person with each other before you even get there. Because the good people, the green flaggers, are people who want your kink journey to be the fulfill the most full it can be and want to help that and facilitate that and their own by mutually mm-hmm. all being grown up and not yeah. taking advantage of where your flags and limits are or dismissing yours or not hearing you out or negotiating those things when they're appropriate. See, I think that dismissiveness is the, is the, is a big part of most. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> and I see, like, from the submissive point of view, 
a lot of subs are like, well, they're dismissing it because they're, they're taking charge of my journey and my growth. So I'm just not there yet. And it's like, no, they're being dismissive because they're being they manipulative. They don't care. They yeah, want you to be their bimbo. They don't give a shit what happens mm-hmm. to you after that. Correct. Because if they did, that my and everybody's different. And I'm not going to say that my opinion, your opinion, and everybody else's has to measure the same. <laughs> my rule of thumb for most submissives I have had who have been a submissive and not something deeper in terms of commitment mm-hmm. levels like slaves or something more TPE-esque. But even with them, my rule of thumb is always if I left tomorrow for any reason – whether my own or somebody else's or death or whatever it is. Not because we want to talk about those things, mm-hmm. but because they can happen and real life happens. And you have to be able to talk about that that way, even if it's just for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's if I disappear tomorrow, will this person be okay? Not because they won't be hurt by my passing, but because that shouldn't stop them from functionally pursuing happiness without me after. Am I being a disservice to them? Which isn't the same thing. You can't help what happens when you're gone for whatever reason that may be, whether it's self-inflicted, actively your choice, whatever. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. because it's not about you actively pursuing it. It's are you actively making sure that they're not going to be? That's the key. Are you limiting their ability to be functional without you? And we'll, there's going to be another day when we get into the deeper part of TPE. And we've talked before about <laughs> command triggers and mental triggers and commands yeah. and that yeah. conditioning because that is a part of that. Mm-hmm. But I should but be able to release to you from it. service, whether it's because of you, me, or death, or any number of other reasons that can come up, whether you want them mm-hmm. to or not, or think about them or not. Right. Are you going to be okay when that happens? is as much a part of that equation as anything else because it is the mature part of that conversation. And it's not something we want to dwell on. I don't want to think about those things any more than anyone else does because that's not a fun topic no, no matter you how you spin it. have to be prepared for it. Right. It's an ugly topic. I'm not making it pretend like it's something you just casually talk about because it should. It's an ugly topic. But well, it's one you should be able to have regardless. I think it's realistic. It's a yeah. realism thing. No, absolutely. I mean, because my, my thing is I – Typically speaking, I've not ever kept a submissive longer than four years. Right. Yeah. I think the longest running one I had was four years. Um, I've got one right now that's obviously she's in the running for that. But um, <laughs> I, I have found because I already know that. And, and part of that is because the way I structure my DS, like I know that they are going to be finding primary partners. And I understand what the natural progression of that looks like. So I'm not unrealistic, I think. Right. And I like to make sure that, one, I leave people better than I found them. And that they leave me better than when they found me, right? But two, that for whatever reason, I'm able to maintain friendships. So this is weird. I can maintain friendships with submissives that I've released. I can't with lovers, which is very fucking weird. I own that, that that's my issue. But for whatever reason, when my subs leave me, typically speaking, I have maintained deep, connected friendships with all of them. There's, there's, of course, exceptions. Um, but they have all been able to move on and find another dominant who I felt was 
better than me with them in some regards. Like I've got one submissive. Um, he and I were play partners. God, what, two and a half, almost three years. Yeah. And we had great play chemistry, insane play chemistry. Um, because of where I was at in my kink journey and his, poly was not an arrangement we were willing to pursue or attempt. Fair. But the emotional connection, I think, was on par with that level. And my circumstances changed. The way I was expressing DS had changed. And I made the decision to release him, which was heartbreaking for me personally because I absolutely adored this person. I can appreciate that. Absolutely. But I also recognize that it it would have been, to me, more damaging to him to try to maintain a long distance type thing or to try to force some kind of like weird online only dynamic once we had had three years of solid in person. Like it just, to me, I saw no positive way of that coming to culmination. And he had met someone. And was honest with me, like, hey, I met this person, met her on Fed. I was going to go meet with her, have coffee, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, I'm excited for you. Let me know how it goes. Well, in talking to her, explained to her his situation, things like that, she asked to meet me. And I was like, oh, this sounds sketch as fuck. But hey, right, you know, I want right. to support a fellow sister. Like, let's, no, see, for let's sure. see what happens. She and I, to this day, are best friends. See, that's awesome. He, yeah, and she, to me, is also one of my favorite lifestyle dominants. I absolutely love this woman. Um, she comes from an amazing family. She has built an amazing leather family. And I have watched him grow and flourish under her in ways that I absolutely knew that I could not provide him. And it has made me so insanely happy to see that. And initially, my, I had insecurities where I was like, oh, well, clearly I was not the dom for him because he, he was not going to grow the same way under me. But now I completely understand she provided something on a level for him that I absolutely could not give. And it had nothing right. to do with me being married. It, had, it no. wasn't because of being poly. Um, he is one of those, what I will call a, a rare, true submissive, that he lives for service lives for it it literally is not just kink but his every his fiber actual of his pursuit being. right yes. no i can get appreciate that and she is the type to understand appreciate and is able to accept pure service right and so it was a perfect match and and sure i mourned the relationship i mourned losing well, a of sub, course you know, that's perfectly uh, healthy you go that's normal yeah, yeah it's absolutely normal and i had to go through it but now like, I kid you not, they share milestones on, like, Instagram and stuff like that. She'll send me pictures before she posts it, you know, and like, hey, so this happened, just so you know, I'm putting it on IG. And and I'm always so insanely over the moon and supportive. And, you know, it's been four years, and we're still friends. She and I have become fantastic friends, you know. And it's, that to me is why you have to plan for when relationships end is so yes. that you can do those types of things. Because to me, had I not planned that and just said, Hey, you know what? I'm moving across country. Fucked. Um, that to me is so irresponsible and it shows a complete and utter total disregard for that person's well-being. which no, as a I dominant agree. is what I'm supposed to be obsessed with. Right. Right. Well, so it was like, 
you know, but I had, I had other dominance and here's the funny part. I had other dominance that were like, oh my God, why did you do all that? He basically vetted his new mistress. And I was like, you're goddamn right. I did. Yes. Yeah. This person was, it's brand not new like you did it in a vacuum, you know? No. Right. And it's like, you know, to me, if I would have just cut him loose and been like, well, you know, may the odds be ever in your favor. That to me would have been more psychologically damaging. And yes. why would I ruin a good submissive? Well, why would I damage someone intentionally? Like I just, I was just mind blown by some of the shit I got told. Oh no, absolutely. And then I had other subs. I had other subs that were like, well, why didn't you just move him out with you? And I was oh, of like, course. Because, are you kidding me? Like that's a fucking whole another level of commitment. Like, right. And that's a whole different conversation anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this is, this is where I say about, you know, because polyamory and monogamy have nothing directly to do with kink. They're, you know, lifestyle choices regardless. Because you can be perfectly vanilla and be either one. Polyamory tends to lean into kink more often because the nature of the kind of conversations you need to have to be healthy and ethical run parallel to a lot of the things we do in kink in those regards. So I think you find it more common but monogamy is just as capable of having those conversations and future relationships break off and pursue in a healthy way. And I think people need to remember that, that, you know, both sides of that coin. And one day we're going to cover that because I think polyamory and kink has its own, definitely has its own oh, discussion God, yeah. of why it's Holy shit, yeah. right. But I need <laughs> people to understand that monogamy is not only just as valid as someone who doesn't personally ascribe directly to it, mind you. Right. Not just to hold space for it, but because I have seen some beautiful, beautiful friendships build out of a committed sexual relationship in monogamy and kink. Because both parties were humanly ethical on so many levels, as they should be, to recognize that the growth of each person required them to break off. With all the mourning that went with it, it's not like they magically didn't care or that they weren't hurt Mm -hmm. by the loss. They absolutely – because it is a relationship loss. It is a mournful thing. 100%. But you should mourn it for what it is and move on to the future for you both. And why that doesn't mean you have to disclude each other from it. Mm-hmm. And that's Absolutely. just as important. I'm, you know, I have often, when I have spoken to someone who is not new to the lifestyle, if I am talking to someone as a prospective submissive and considered them for consideration and training and all of that, mm-hmm. I have more than once asked them who their previous partners with. Not just for vetting them, but to understand how those relationships ended, because that's also flag territory in some ways. Not that it's something mm-hmm. I want to dive too deep into here, because that's more about relationships and less about direct flags. But someone who breaks off and cuts off all contact and effectively vanishes off the earth... Without good reason. Like, don't get me wrong. If the person that you're talking to turns out to be a total douchebag and a trash heap, like, obviously there was a reason they cut off contact. That's a little different. Mm-hmm. But if there was no good reason to ruin what could be an ethically continuing journey with each other, I will usually at least want to find out about it and why. Because it does go to that person's character on a variety of levels. And at least understanding what that means and how that fits with me. And that's why those conversations should happen. But they should happen as grown-ups. It's, hey, while we're vetting each other, I want to talk to at least two of your previous partners. And this is why. Like, I'm very clear about it up front. Like, I need you to understand this is why I want this. And it's not to judge you. 
it's so that I have an understanding of where your journey has mm-hmm. come from to understand better where it may go with me in the future if that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Because all of those things matter if you're trying to all be healthy people in this journey together. Which to me should be the goal. Like It is. I want to be healthy. Like That's so bizarre to not be. You know, I've I've been recently saying a lot more of, and any, anybody who's heard me get on the soapbox recently a lot in the last few months about, you know, at the end of the day, I want everyone to have the same toolbox. Get on my damn level, as I keep saying. <laughs> I want yep. you on my level of education and safety because I want us to all get back to having fun ethically mm-hmm. and continually so we can just have a good time. Yeah, and it means is. everybody taking the time to recognize what maturity means for those things so we can get there. It's important. It's important for everyone's well-being and growth. And ultimately, mm-hmm. as a species, we want growth. We need growth because otherwise we're going to start – I won't get into the semantics of humanity as a whole. That's a whole I different – That's a rabbit that's hole humanity. I won't I touch with shrink, a 10-foot but... pole and somebody else is sticking. Um, I mean, insoles can shrink. That'd be nice. Well, that too. But as a species, you know, I'm not going to get into the wax poetic on it because that's entirely too easy to do. Aww. Right. But at the end of the day, those green flags exist because they're part of living healthy in kink. And it is part of the journey if you're all trying to be better, both for yourselves Mm -hmm. and for those other people. Yes. So that the next person who comes along is good for them. But just as importantly, in some way, they may be good for you. Mm -hmm. And you could sell yourself short by not being open to what that could be. Even if it's yeah. just as your friends because you're friends with the other person. Mm-hmm. And I I want to wrap up on that as we're getting towards that time anyway. But I yeah. think that's a good way to wrap that up is I want people to understand that ultimately it's about how you interact with people in the future, not just the present. And that is an important thing to think about when you're checking for flags and communication. And never something you should sell yourself short on. That's not something to compromise on. No. Not if you can help it. Not ever. Well, any final thoughts, Owen Paratrix? <laughs> Be kind. <laughs> no, I, no I, was. I got nothing. <laughs> no, not you. I'm saying in general. Oh, fair enough. Be fair kind. Enough. No, I, I just, I, I think, I really think people should listen to their gut. Like, I don't know what it is about getting into kink relationships and kink dynamic that people think that normal relationship things go out the window. They don't. No, not even close. No, and it's, right, and it's, it's like if, if in a more mainstream relationship something was a deal breaker, it shouldn't suddenly be on the table just because it's kink. No, exactly. No, One like, has no direct to, bearing on the other. They don't, you know, kink is just a, an additional layer onto what should be an already healthy relationship. Right. You know, it, it shouldn't be somehow separate and have its own set of rules and laws and everything else. Like it's, no, I'm sorry. So much of that is universal and just don't ignore your intuition. No, please don't. That's, no. Cause that's when, that's when I think things are toxic and that's when you open yourself up to being harmed mm-hmm. on both sides. Well, and if you're still learning and you're still young Mm -hmm. enough to still be learning what flags are in general, ask Mm -hmm. other people. That's part of the reason you plug into a community. Ask other people who you think are worth asking. Find out more. Ask what you should be and shouldn't be asking about or watching for so that you can learn what those things are and what they mean for you. Mm -hmm. 
Don't operate in a vacuum. Don't even operate in a vacuum of, oh, you heard this podcast, now you're ready for things. No. Open up. Ask questions. Pay attention. Make sure you're being the best you can, not just for yourself but for others, but more importantly, be willing to ask what you don't know so that you can avoid those flags, so you can avoid the toxicities or becoming part of it by accident. Because it will only seek to ruin your journey for you as much as for anybody else. Mm-hmm. And that defeats the point. Yep. Well, Absolutely. everybody. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. No. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. I know. I had to. But I do want to say thank you to everybody who's been listening and following along. Oh, Yes. Especially anybody who, not just the long-term listeners, but I definitely want to say a shout-out to them, too, in general. For people who've been with us the entire time so far. Mm-hmm. It's, as far as we have come, I am so grateful for everybody <laughs> who listens all the time and makes this worth doing. But also for anybody who's listening in today. I don't care if it's when it releases on the podcast. I don't care if it releases mm-hmm. here. If it's the people listening right this second with us. Thank you. Because you are the reason we do this crap. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not for us, not because I can't hear myself talk, but I am not so egotistical that that's the point. Otherwise, I could do that by myself. (laughs) The drunken rants of another Dartex. Look, those have already happened once upon a time. They don't need to happen here. I was going to say, those, I mean, mine can be funny, so. Oh, mine could be hilarious, but they're certainly not a place for educational kink, so. (laughs) Thank you all for coming. Have a wonderful rest of your day and journey. (laughs) And that's that.